today. So thank you, Bob. You can come on up. Let's welcome him. Thank you for serving us. <laughs> I am not Bob Maddox. I am Bob Maddox's PR department. I'm his publicist. A pastor's group about uh, 24, 25 years ago. And we've been friends ever since. We wrote uh, Reluctantly Supernatural together and run our podcast together. And uh, Bob is very Christ-like in that he tolerates me, which is in itself a miracle. I love you, Mark. (laughs) I tolerate you, Bob. (laughs) You do? I tease Bob all the time. Uh, Bob became a Christian during the Jesus movement way back when. And his the stories that he's told me are, are amazing. And he's going to tell you a bunch of those stories to increase our faith for a mighty move of God across our country. Take it away, Bob. Thank you. Wow. Good morning. <laughs> Great to see you today. Well, I've never, I've known John for, even before I met Mark, I've known John for a long time. So this is the first opportunity I've got to be here at Gathering Place. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for this invitation. It's great to see you. How many are you doing well today? Yes, great. Well, I'm looking forward to sharing with you. This is, what, as I'm sharing today, we're going to talk about the Jesus movement. Uh, I became part of that before it was really a movement because I've been a Christian 53, be 54 years this uh, December. So I'm going to, rather than just kind of give you a, a history from a kind of a outside view, I'm going to share with you uh, from an inside view. In other words, I'm going to share what I've experienced, okay? And that, in that way, you'll understand it's not, you know, just kind of looking at it like a historian would but someone who firsthand encountered these things and someone who's believing that it will, they'll, they'll happen again. So I'm looking forward to that. So thanks for opening your heart to me today and welcoming you here. And, and I love your pastor, John, and his wonderful wife, Hope. Someone like you we're praying for every day for amazing miracle. Amen? Amen? So let's pray and then we'll get started. Lord, I do consider it a real honor to be able to come here today. I so thank you for John and uh, his ministry, Pastor John. What amazing gift you've given this brother. And now he's honored me to allow me to come and fill his pulpit today. So we, we just ask, we need your presence. This is not about me. It's about you and about what you've done. And that's what I'm hoping that will be seen, that these are things you've done uh, in your mighty way. And we just say, Lord, do it again. Only however you want to do it, just do it again. And everybody said... Amen. <laughs> I love it. Well, I've got to begin by talking a little bit about my legacy. First of all, as a family, we all have family background. We all have legacy. My grandparents are amazing. And, and we have a picture of my grandma and grandpa here. Uh, they're an amazing couple. They were part of a family. My mother my, uh, that came here in 1849, came to California. And, and they were amazing people. Uh, how they came to Northern California. They didn't come for gold. They just came to settle. And one of them built schools and did all kinds of amazing things. But by the time my grandpa and grandmother met and became, uh, became married, something happened. On the night of their, of their honeymoon, they were staying at a hotel. And they met a Pentecostal evangelist there. This was like in 19, uh, I don't know, 18. I mean, right after, not long after Azusa Street. And they were led to Christ. Now, I did not find, I did not find that out, which was crazy. I need my water. It's right there. I did not find that out until they had passed away. I never knew. My aunt told me and told me the whole story. I said, I never knew that. Wow. Can I just stop right here? If you have family, grandparents, parents, find out about your heritage. Don't let them pass on without finding out your heritage. And so from there, my mom was sent off, next slide, to this place called Biola. My mother went to Bible Institute of Los Angeles for five years. And I mean, she was instructed. This Bible Institute of Los Angeles 
Today it's the university. But in those days it was, I mean, just a fight and fundy kind of fundamental Bible-believing group of people. And my mom went to, to Bible school there for five years. Now she didn't really, the problem is she didn't really listen to everything they taught there because she married a non-Christian. How many know the Bible kind of gives you advice not to do that, right? Well, thank God she did. I wouldn't be here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of weird. Isn't it? It's weird, isn't it? But, but she married my dad. He was a, he'd been a Marine and all of that. But so as a young kid, I started going to church. My mom took us to church. And I remember one of the first churches I went to is this church right here in the next slide. This is a Presbyterian church in my hometown. It's called Bidwell Memorial Presbyterian Church. And I remember when I was uh, about 12 years old, I went up on the platform and they sprinkled some water on my forehead and I was uh, in, in the church, but I was no more saved than this water bottle here. I didn't know God. I did not know God. I had no idea. I, and I remember by the time we started going to another church, by the time I was 14, and uh, I was the president of the youth group and I didn't know God. Okay, I would listen to everybody's prayers. I would listen to this person would pray. And so I'd take a little bit of their prayer. And this person would pray. I'd take a little bit of their prayer. And this person would pray. And I'd put all their prayers together and make my own prayer. But I wasn't praying to God. I was just praying to impress people. Because I did not know God. But I do remember at about age of 12, I went to a Youth for Christ crusade. And I remember going forward. I remember the building it was in. And I remember crying and, and, and having some kind of a spiritual experience. But it was not, it just didn't last. It wasn't real. It, 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 was, it was real, but it wasn't real. That's all I need to know. Because I, I didn't change my life. I didn't change my lifestyle. I, I just kept going down the horrible, horrible path that I was on before. And I remember we started going to this other church. And what do you, what do you remember? I remember sitting on these big wooden pews. And there were a bunch of college students in the church. And there was one tall guy that had a deep bear form baritone voice and he would sing and hit some notes the entire pew would vibrate and i mean that was about as, as moved that i got in church okay i mean that's about as touched as i got in church because i remember deacons come in one one kid in the middle of service I, he'd ate a hot dog or something got sick he barfed all over the floor and i remember i remember the de- one of the deacons or ushers coming in just swearing like a sailor i mean i just I mean, it was just, church was, I was, I didn't know God, and, and I didn't see the power of God in the church. Now, but I am grateful, I am grateful that the word was planted in my heart. You know, even though, and we know about this, Mark, because Mark's had a kind of, you know, similar background, raised in church, kind of, but you, so, but the word was there. And can I just say something? I really believe that right now, the church in America, the word is there. It's kind of lingering. It's kind of hidden. It's maybe not as powerful as it should be, but it's there. And I believe the day is coming when God's going to touch that word and awaken a whole generation of people. Can I hear an amen? Woo! So by the time I was 16, I was just lost, gone, totally into the world, just kind of pursuing every kind of sensual thing I could. And by the time I turned 18, I was a hippie. And I had gone off into the counterculture. In fact, I got into the counterculture be- before it ever started happening. And as I was hitchhiking back and forth to the Bay Area where I was going to college, one day a guy picked me up in his car. Now, I'll never, he picked me up. He gave me for a ride about 50 miles. And he turned over to me and he started telling me about Jesus. And I just kind of shined him on because I was kind of into Eastern religion and, and, you know, drinking the cosmic nectar, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and I was just kind of, you know, one of those ozone warriors out there in the unknown. And so I told him my whole story and he just, he dropped me off. But you know what's amazing? Three years later, a week after I was saved, he turned out to be an evangelist and he walked up to me and he said, do you remember me? I said, no. He said, I picked you up on the highway three years ago, and your face has come before me again and again, and I have been praying for you. Hallelujah. I mean, God God knows how to do it, right? God knows how to do it. But here I found myself, next slide, I found myself in Haight-Ashbury, part of this whole hippie scene that was happening there. And when I look at all this, you've got to realize 
This was a movement that really shook America because you had a whole generation of young people that had grown up post-World War II, grown up, you know, relatively blessed, relatively safe, had a lot of things, but, and, but one of the things that was there was materialism. And it wasn't filling the void. And one of the things was there was religion there, but it wasn't filling the void. And so people started looking at all kinds of other things. And I became part of a group like this, not this group. This, of course, is Grateful Dead. But I started coming part of a group, and I traveled with them. I, I invented, you see these big light shows today? I invented the precursor that. I literally invented a keyboard. When you played the keyboard, huge light flew all over the band. And every note, like middle C was one color, and C sharp was another color, and D, and all that. And I'd play this, and the band would sing, and it was like a whole thing we did together. But something happened. Next slide. There was this utopian dream, and there was this thing called a human being that happened in San Francisco in January 1967. And it was like the generation at that point was crying out. And who would lead this big gathering? Not just rock groups like this is, uh, this is uh, Jefferson Airplane here. Not just rock groups, but all these speakers that got up started talking about spiritual realities. There was, they started talking about spiritual things. And even some of the songs were prophetic that started coming. And there was this cry that came up from a generation. And I remember next group, this particular group, I got to perform with them. Next slide. This particular group, that's, that's a, 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 a poster of them. Next slide. And here they are performing at the Fillmore. And I got to actually perform with them with my light organ and do all that. And I remember sitting... In the uh, sitting in the green room backstage with Janice Joplin and a bunch of the others there, and and just watching her suck on that bottle of uh, Southern Comfort that she did. I mean, she went to the edge of a stage one day and looked out at a crowd of people, and and, and she said, "I want to write a song about making love to ten thousand people but going home all alone." Because see, the drugs and the alcohol and that was not filling anybody's heart. It was just not happening. And during this time. I gradually became more and more demonized. Literally, I start, I'll remember, I was, in a, I was living in this big house just off of Haight Street. And uh, we had this huge Victorian house. And one of the, my friends was like, he, he reminded me of the God Pan. Because he could play two recorders at once and hum the third part. So he could like play chords on... It was just amazing. He would dance around and he would play. And I'd play my guitar. And I remember we were down underneath in the basement playing and, and, and just getting into this music. And I felt this, this energy come into my body. And I began to play the guitar like I'd never played. And I felt this warmth everywhere. And he's dancing around. And then what he did is he put his instruments down. I just felt like I was in, being controlled. And he walked over to a shelf, got a human skull that he had there, put it on the end of a pole, and literally started dancing around like some kind of witch doctor. And I felt this energy, this power coming over me, and I went, and I looked at him, and I went, I said, this is evil. And I took that guitar and set it down. I said to him, what about Jesus? Yeah. And you, you ever heard the word dispel? Just like that. The power of the devil is gone. And later he walked up to me and he said, if you ever mention that name again, I will not be your friend. There is power in the name of Jesus. Amen? It was amazing. But still I was so lost. Go to the next slide. So what we had is I moved to Big Sur and I was living in a, in a teepee there and other places, just little tents and things, just living, you know, kind of. And we got in a, a group of people and, and literally started traveling because what happened Next slide, please. Eastern religion suddenly came in. You see, Maharishi Maheshi Yoga started uh, discipling the Beatles. Because, and look at their faces. Look, they're, they're looking for joy. They're looking for something because they've got money, they've got power, they've got glory, they've got drugs, they've got everything, but it's not filling the void. They look, and that's why we went, in, just millions of kids went into Eastern religion and all kinds of stuff like that. And, and so what happened? is I traveled in this band, this group of us, all the way down to Joshua Tree, California. And I'd start having all these crazy encounters and seeing demons, and, and I realized, oh, this is crazy. I remember in San Francisco playing the guitar with one of my friends, 
as I was high on LSD. And all of a sudden, the demons started coming out of him, tormenting him. And I just put my guitar down, ran outside. I was filled with terror. I thought I lost my soul forever and ever. I thought I was never going to find, I was going to be in hell forever. I was in this torment. And that's kind of the spiritual state. So here I am down in the desert in this commune. And uh, a girl in the commune came back. She had gone to Takeets Falls. I think we have a slide here. The next, there it is. She had gone up to Takeets Canyon, which was there in Palm Springs. And when she got up in this canyon to this place, she met this hippie guy. His name was Lonnie Frisbee. He was a, he was a crazy guy that was still taking acid but seeing Jesus. It was, I don't know how it worked, but it was happening. And he had an acid trip there where he saw thousands of kids in the ocean coming to Christ. And at that point, he decided to dedicate his whole life to Jesus. And he baptized that girl in water. And the next day, that day, she came back to our commune and said, I found Jesus. And friends, when she mentioned the name of Jesus and that commune, it was like dropping a rock on an anthill. I mean, demons started, people started screaming at her. I literally saw people move. And as they moved, I could see the demons coming out of them and then going back into them. And she said, if any of you want to find Jesus, come outside right now. And so three of us went outside and knelt in the sand there outside that ranch house where we were. And I, I prayed, but nothing happened. But I said, you know what? I got to know. So I went out in the desert overnight. And I said, God, it, you've got to show me. Are you real? What's this Jesus stuff? Is Jesus real? Is this real? I don't know if it's real or not. But I'm going to find out. The next day I woke up, I called my dad on the phone. I said, Dad, I want to come home. I came back to my home. He sent me some money for a bus fare. I came back to my hometown. And suddenly I met this guy I'd met a year before. His name was Gaylord Enns. And he found us. We were living in a little commune. Me and two other guys and a girl and some other people would come and go through that place. And he found where we had lived. And he was just so straight. He was just, you know, just really straight. I mean, we were like crazy. And he'd come over to our house and we'd bake him bread, you know. And, we'd t- and he talked to us. He just seemed to glow. We just, he was so full of Jesus. He just seemed to glow. <laughs> we loved it. So we'd just sit around and watch him glow, you know. <laughs> and, and, and one day he said, I want you. I remember one night uh, this other uh, brother and sister showed up and said, hey, we want you to come and hear this speaker. He's speaking at Gaylord's house. He's a 19-year-old preacher. So I remember walking into his house, and there were all these Christians sitting. I'll call it college age, most, maybe some high school. And they're all in the room. They're all sitting around. This was 1967, December 8th, the day after my 22nd birthday. And they started singing in these tongues. They started singing in this unknown language. And as they were singing in that unknown language, the presence of God came down. It was awesome. You could feel it. It was so powerful, the presence of God. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know, I didn't know how to sing in tongues or anything else. But I, did, I wanted to look like I was spiritual. So I'm just kind of going, making up my own song and singing with them. But inside, the demons started freaking out. I could just, like, my whole body, it was like the nerves were just burning with fire. But I had to look so cool. Ah, yes, float on the sea of bliss. You know, kind of just doing the whole thing, you know, drinking the cosmic nectar. I had to look like I was spiritual too. But inside, I'm freaking out. And then all of a sudden, this 19-year-old young man named Mario Murillo, who I'd never seen in my life, stands up and goes, there's someone in this room now who's very nervous in their body. Now, looking at me on the outside, he wouldn't have known that. But the Holy Spirit revealed it to him. And I raised my hand, and he read my mail. And in about 10 minutes, I was saved, delivered from demons, and speaking in tongues. And my whole life changed. 180 degrees, my entire life changed. And that exploded. Literally, a revival started to explode. My friends, my my other friend, Roger, Roger would sit, he would literally sit in his closet, and he would meditate, and demons would materialize in front of him. And he had taken over 100 LSD trips, 
And one day he's praying and he's going, you know, Jesus, are you the only way or not? And he saw Jesus appear, but Jesus was walking away. I remember Mario, Roger was so demonized that Mario, this young evangelist, pretty bold guy, came over to, to get us out of there. And Roger's meditating in the corner. And when he looks up, he's like, so it just scared Mario to death. He was so demonized. I mean, this is amazing. But you know what? I remember praying for Roger day after day. And you know what happened? One day I met him in the park. And I told him what happened to me. And Roger went over to a little chapel and knelt down and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. And I remember us taking his piles of, of occult books and burning them. Literally burning all that occultism he was into. And Roger ended up becoming a, a pastor. I have a video of Roger preaching to almost a half a million people in India. And signs and wonders followed his life. And then my other roommate got saved. And I mean, and it just, it just started, this revival started taking off. And all of a sudden we started having meetings and, and filling gymnasiums and auditoriums and preaching the gospel. But one of the highlights of that whole thing is, one day, one of my friends, he was a very handsome guy. He went on to become an actor in Hollywood and a screenwriter. And uh, he was one of the most popular guys in my high school. But he got saved. And, and so one day, he, he came over to my house, and he brought this, this girl with him. And, and she, 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 she remembered, she said, there's no ashtrays in your house. You're weird, okay? But we didn't have ashtrays, and she was a smoker. Well, what, what's an amazing story is that here we are doing this book table on a campus, and we put all these Bibles out. We had free Bibles and other books that you could get. I remember this little sweet little lady walked up one day. She's about 50 years old. She walks up and she goes, are these really free? I said, yeah. I, she says, I've got this daughter that really could read this. This would be good. So I gave her good news for modern man. Well, anyway, coming back to my story. This girl that shows up, I see her. The next time I see her, she's dating my friend. The next time I see her, she comes up to me at the front porch of this hippie commune. And she goes, I want to be baptized. And I go, really? I said, you know, if you, 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 have you been saved? Are you born again? She goes, what's that? I said, well, listen, let me tell you. And right there on that front porch, I prayed with her. Tears started streaming down her cheeks. She asked Jesus into her heart. I said, now, come on in the house and tell everybody what Jesus did for you. And that girl got saved, went away to Bible college. You know, I believe in evangelism, all right? But I believe in follow-up. She came back and married me. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> And I've been following up. I've been following up ever since. Fifty. We've been married now over fifty-one years. Okay, Hallelujah. It's awesome. Yeah. But you know, can I just say something? Let's go to the next slide. This Jesus movement was marked by evangelism. That's the thing about this movement. Everybody, when you got saved in this movement, you you told everybody. You didn't care. I'd go up to people and I'd drive them crazy. Okay, I mean, people sometimes, you, you just get in their face, they want to pound, pound the, the snot out of you, okay? Because you were, just, you were telling everybody about Jesus. And, you know, we prayed for boldness, but that's what happens. When you get filled, right? You remember that? You remember that, right, Dennis? People just said, I don't care. I'm telling you about Jesus, all right? I remember Al Hobson. This guy was an amazing evangelist, but he worked at the Linear Accelerator. And he'd just be telling people about Jesus all the time. And one day, this guy got ticked off, ticked off, grabbed a hammer, and came at Al, just said, you got to quit talking about Jesus. And Al looks at him and goes, you know what? I got just enough God to stand here and let you kill me, so go ahead. And the guy's going and throws the hammer down, walks away. Sure enough, Al comes up to him later. Now, let me tell you some more about Jesus. <laughs> but, you know, that's the way it was, right? We were just on fire, on fire, on fire, wanting to share the gospel with everybody. You know that same guy, Al Hobson? This, this is what's amazing about the, what was going on. At that time, there was a big anti-war movement. If you studied history, you will know. The Vietnam War was going on at that time. And, and there was such a protest. I mean, literally, we, you see the protests of Black Lives Matter, all that stuff. It was like that. People everywhere, they had to call in the National Guard. There were riots everywhere. Al Hobson was speaking. He got an opportunity to speak. There was about 20,000 people on Stanford University, and they invited William Kunzler, who was a, he was a lawyer for the Chicago 7, and these were all being prosecuted by the federal government for, for uh, uh, terrorist acts. And 
William Kunstler speaking to 20,000 people on Stanford University. And he gets done, and he walks off the stage, and Al Hobson jumps up on the stage. This is a guy, one of the most anointed black brothers I knew. And he stood up there, and he started to preach. And all of a sudden, people started turning away, leaving. And he goes, what do I do, God? And all of a sudden, he goes, all right, you honkies. I'm one of those back radicals you heard so much about. And they all turn around, yeah. And then he said, all of a sudden, the heavens opened up. And he said, like a holy locomotive hit me. And I preached for 40 minutes, and no one moved for 40 minutes. The power of God just, whoa. And that's what we saw. I remember going on Berkeley campus and reaching out. And my friend Roger that I told you about, right? He was like a spiritual hand grenade, you know, just pull the pin, Bible verses everywhere. And, and I mean, we were just, and I remember being with him. And we're walking on the campus, and there's a bunch of Hare Krishnas. You remember those folks? They shave their heads, and they're dancing with their little thumb. Ding, 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 ding. You know, Hare Krishna, they're doing their thing. And they're, they're dancing around. And Roger looks at me, he goes, Bob, let's just bind the devil on this campus. Okay, sure, sure, Roger, yeah, let's just do that. So we start praying. We start praying, you know, we don't, we, we just, we're not praying, you know, in the, in the name of our notes we got from Bible school. We're praying in the name of Jesus, amen? And the minute we said amen, all of a sudden, uh, this Hare Krishna group just went, psh, perfectly sighted. So, wow, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> It was amazing. And right then, Holy Hubert jumped in. If you don't know about Holy Hubert, find him out. He'd been, he had teeth knocked out from preaching on Berkeley, but he just jumped in and started preaching. It was awesome. But you know, there were some notable leaders during the Jesus movement. Mario was one. Another was Lonnie Frisbee. Chuck Smith, who, who opened up his home. To, and by the way, if you, you've got to go see the movie, Jesus Revolution, because you'll know the story. David Wilkerson was traveling America. Huge crusades. Thousands of people getting saved. Keith Green, who was a personal friend, who I was there when we, we put him in the ground. P- amazing man of God. Arthur Blessed. I love Arthur Blessed. What a name for evangelist, right? He had these little red stickers, and he'd stick them everywhere. The little gospel messages, he called them reds, you know, because back in those days, reds were drugs. And he'd say, I got these reds for you. Want some reds, man? <laughs> he'd stick those two. <laughs> love song. There were all this amazing Jesus movement. Jesus music everywhere. Barry Maguire, very popular secular musician. It was, just, it was just amazing, amazing time. But you know what? It was propelled. This whole movement was propelled by grace. I want you to say that phrase with me. Propelled by grace. We, didn't, we, we prayed like crazy. We evangelized like crazy. We read our Bibles like crazy. We went to church like crazy. But you know what it was? I realize looking back now, it wasn't something we were doing. It's something God was doing. When you call something a Jesus movement, it means that Jesus is moving. And it's not us. It's him moving through us. And if we ever have another great revival in America... We're going to have to recognize it's not going to be about us. It's going to be him moving, empowering, equipping. Then all we have to do is be obedient. We have to say yes to Jesus. We have to say yes to him. You know, but what's so exciting? So here we're, we're just getting started. And so Mario, he starts having this idea. Let's do this thing called Jesus Christ Festival of Light. So just like you saw those crazy posters that they had for the, the rock concerts, he did this poster of Jesus between the, with the flames of fire between the, the, the candlesticks. And we put that over, and I remember the night, 700 people filled up the vet's hall. And I remember we sang, we had a little group we sang, and then Mario came up and preached. And I remember him preaching, here he is, he's like about 20 years old, preaching and he's holding those 700 mostly college students and young people holding them spellbound with the word that just flowed out it was amazing and i remember backstage just falling down on the ground going god i love the truth i love you truth and when he gave the altar call like out of that building of 700 people probably 200 flooded to the altars and the power of god just swept in and then we went for another one and then we just kept more and more to where we got like 3,000 people showing up. But I remember we went to the Speedway. 
And, and, and there's a speedway there. And we're going to use the auditorium at the racetrack. And they said, no, you can't have it because we're going to have, we booked everything. We got all the literature out for this event. We're all ready to hold this big event. And they said, I'm sorry, but you can't have it here. We're going to have the hardtop races here instead. We went, well, what are we going to do? And the guy said, well, we have this building over here. It'll hold about 2,000 people. It's about, a, it's about uh, from here up to over there is the racetrack, and we're in this building, right? So we all show up tonight, and about half the people went to the racetrack, and the other half came to our meeting. And we're sitting in the meeting listening, and, and, the, and the, the cars are going, People go, you can have an evangelistic meeting here tonight? You can have a meeting here tonight? Well, our group got up to sing, and they had to water the track, so it was absolutely still the whole time we sang. And then Mario got up to preach, and about somewhere into his third sentence, He's going, I want you to know that the Bible, <laughs> and God, blah! and he's, he's just preaching, and everybody's going, the wax is melting in your ears running out. I mean, we're just going, what? And then all of a sudden, there was an accident on the track, and it got perfectly still. And they had to send, they brought the, the ambulance, but then they had to wait for another ambulance before they could start again. And it was absolutely still. And I remember Mario giving the altar call and hundreds of people just came forward. And I, people got called into the ministry that night. And I remember waving goodbye to the last one and hearing the track start up again. And I went, na, 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 na. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, it was Amazing. Amazing. And we had a music group. We traveled and sang. And then we started a thing called Spiritual Boot Camp where we started training young people. And then we went to Europe in 1972, which I think was probably one of the high points because a 1,000 people gathered. Uh, next slide. 1,000 people gathered. Uh, that's our little coffee house. We started Christian. All across America, Christian coffee houses started opening up. And, and, and they became outreach. It wasn't because people wouldn't come to church, but they'd go to a coffee house. And so we had concerts there and evangelism there. And it just started happening. Next slide. And then we went. Over a thousand of us went to Germany. And YWAM rented this castle. And this is what was a turning point for me in evangelism. Because I came home from that outreach where we just flooded. We'd sing out on the Olympic grounds and preach. I remember preaching in the subways in Munich. and It was just awesome. Just the fire of evangelism hit us. It was awesome what happened and what God did. And so as a result of that, next slide, I started a school of, evangel of, of ministry. We started a school, Pleasant Valley School of Ministry. And we start taking teams out to do evangelism. And we go into a city like Red Bluff. And we'd just cover the city with literature. And then the people would come to the high school gymnasium and we'd preach the gospel to them. And it was just, <laughs> I remember one night, I remember literally from our coffee house going out and we had this young girl in our church. She was a college student. And I remember she came up to me. We're praying in the prayer. Remember why we were praying this morning? We're praying in the prayer room. Oh God, we're going out to evangelize tonight. We're going out to evangelize. And we're praying and she comes up and she goes, Pastor Bob, do you think tonight we could go singing in the bars? <laughs> uh, let me pray about that, okay? You know, I'm supposed to be man, God's man of faith and power. I feel like God's man of paste and flour, okay? I'm just kind of intimidated, but I, I pray, okay, God. And God says, yes, because it was Christmas time. It was Christmas time. So I said, okay, everybody. And, and what I loved about the church in those days if I said, hey, everybody, we're going to have a pizza party, they would go, okay, okay. If I said, hey, everybody, we're going to sing in the bars, and they go, woo, they're ready to go, man. They're ready to sit out, man. We're going to take the devil's territory. So I remember we walked up this first bar, and I got, we got, I'm playing my guitar, and we got about 20 of us lined up, ready to go. And I said, okay, I go, let me go, I'm going to go in and ask if we, can, if we can sing in here. So I went in, the guy's working behind the bar. I said, hey, can we come in tonight and sing Christmas carols in the bar? And the guy's, okay. Come on in. <laughs> 20, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. We're singing. And all these people are going, who let these Christians in here? You know, it's like turn on the light in the sewer. The rats go running. The demons went out the back door. And so I started, so you know what? We might as well preach in here. So I started preaching. 
You know, Jesus wasn't just a little baby 2,000 years ago. He grew up and became a man and died on the cross for your sins. And man, it's just like God's still in there and we preached. So we left there and God came outside, got saved. I said, we're going to the next bar. This was a hard liquor bar. The first was just a beer bar, a beer pizza bar. This is a hard liquor bar called Nashville West. And there's these guys leaning on the bar, drinking their whiskey, you know. And you walk in, you go, hi. I said, do you know about Jesus? And these really tough guys go, <laughs> you know, and so I said, we're going to sing. So we started singing, joy to the world, the Lord has come. And now I want to tell you about Jesus. And I'm preaching in this place. We're right in the middle. I get outside after preaching. And this guy comes out the door, and he's just cussing. He's cussing. He's so ticked off at us. We got in his bar to preach, and he could. He said, "I said, what was wrong with him?" And he goes, "Yeah, he was mad because we were preaching in his bar." So he went around the corner to the next bar. He didn't know that's where we were going next. <laughs> so we went around to the next bar. I go, "Hi, we're here tonight to start going to the world. The Lord has come." I'm here tonight to tell you about Jesus, and right in the middle of my sermon, this guy comes out of the, like the, 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 the Hulk, comes running at me, you dirty Christian! And I'm kind of going, ooh. And then all of a sudden, if, it's like the, if this was like the roof, it's like God just popped the roof off and just poured the Holy Ghost all over me. And he's charging at me, and all of a sudden I start running at him, and I go, I love you, man! And he just kind of goes, ooh. Shrinks away, and then all these guys, hey, leave these Christians alone. Leave them alone. It was awesome. <laughs> you know, I just, we just saw God do something. We, we went one night, we go to a, we're, we're out, we got all our team loaded up on a bus. We, we take the Bible school out and do evangelism. And we're on this bus, and we go by Shakey's Pizza Parlor. And the kids say, hey, can we go have pizza? I said, sure, okay. So we pull the, the bus in, and we go into, and there's only a few people in there. So I went up to the manager. I said, hey, you got a, you got a piano here. Can we, can we sing? He said, sure. So he unlocked the piano. I got, I'm playing, and we're singing and worshiping Jesus, just having a great time. Well, a month later, we're back there, and the kids said, hey, can we go and sing? Can we go into Shakey's again? I said, okay. So we go, and it's jammed full of people now. They have a thing there called the Red Bluff Roundup. It's a rodeo, or if you're from Southern California, a rodeo. But anyway... <laughs> It's just jammed with people, right? It's full of people. And I mean, it's like Marlboro country in there. That's when you could smoke, you know. People are just, and the kids looked at us and they said, and, so, and the, the manager remembered us. And the manager said, hey, we're going to open the piano so you guys can sing again. And I said, okay, your kids ready? And they go, yep. So I got on the piano. We just started having church in Shaky's Pizza Parlor. It was awesome. And the Holy Spirit came down. And I looked at the kids and I said, okay, we're going to have a church in here. Let's evangelize this place. So we went table to table. I sat down with a couple. They put out their marbles and they bowed their heads. And about 10 minutes later, they found Jesus Christ in Shakey's Pizza Parlor. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. We started a, a magazine, Day Spring Harvest. And then we started a Jesus Festival. This, this was amazing what happened. God put on my heart. And a good friend of mine, John Dawson, who went on to become the president of Youth with a Mission, we said, we got all these millions of young people now that have gotten saved. Millions of them. They love Jesus. We're discipling them. They're following Christ. But we have this huge mission field, the world. How are we going to reach them? And at that time, Woodstock had, was happening, and there were these big things happening around the world. And we said, let's do a big Jesus festival. So we started out, I founded this thing called Jesus West Coast. I remember just about 13,000 people, Agrit, came the first year. We just went out in the woods, out in the hills, and just created a whole little city. We had Hallelujah Lane, Glory Boulevard. <laughs> we, just, we just built a city out there, a big stage, and just preached the gospel. It was awesome, and we had all these famous speakers, David Wilkerson and Keith Green, and it, it was awesome. But you know what? It was amazing. Because our heart, why, why did God save? And I got to quit here. Why did God save this whole generation? What was the purpose? Was it just for us to go back into church and become like the generation before us? Be good, faithful Christians going to church every Sunday, you know, doing good. Those are all good things. But we had this vision. What about the world? Billions of people that don't Christ. And so we started we, this Jesus Festival. 
that we had. We said, we, we said, here's the vision. Now that you have the gospel, now that you have the gospel, let's go to the nations. You know, Keith Green came. And if you know who he was, you need to look him up. He could play the piano and sing. One guy, no band, play the piano and sing and fill auditoriums, fill stadiums. He was absolutely amazing. When he did two nights of concerts for us, the literally the freeway was backed up, people coming. And I remember him singing at one of our festivals. He came and sang, and he said, Jesus commands us to go. And the, he didn't want them to record the, uh, they, they, they recorded, did a video, video recorded, but they recorded it anyway. They recorded it. And he died in a plane crash, a tragic story of how he died. But it turned out that the videotape that they shot there of him his widow took that videotape that was shot at our Jesus Festival and took it all over America. And they estimate as a result of the altar calls and the challenge of that, 30,000 people went into missions and went out all around the world. Now, I want us to close and bow our heads. Can we just stand? I believe that God wants to do something fresh and new with our generation, with that generation that's coming up. I just saw something happen where this trans young man came to Christ, and now he's preaching the gospel. He was so lost in that trans thing. So he literally, surgeries, all kinds of weird things. But he's found Christ now, and he is preaching the gospel today because he's found Christ and we look at this crazy generation the same way when I was a young person, my elders looked at the crazy hippie generation and the last thing they ever thought in their mind was that we would become Christians and get saved. And you know what? The last thing a lot of us think right now when we look at the Gen Z, the Zoomers, when we look at that generation and how confused and they're, they, they could, they're lost in drugs and wild, crazy sex and all of that. They're so lost. But you know what? God can touch them. Can I hear an amen? So I want to close this right now by just asking people that will do something. You will say, okay, as God directs me, as God directs me, I am going to stand in the gap. Because you know what? I believe God visited my generation because in the unseen realm, there was a group of intercessors that were standing in the gap praying for me. I, there's no, it's a miracle. I should have been dead. I should have been destroyed by the drugs I took. But I know there was some mother, some father, some uncle, some aunt, some widow, some elderly Christian somewhere standing and just like the man that met me on the road and prayed for me day after day after day and I became the Christian God made me to be because of the prayers of other people and I am asking if you would say Pastor Bob I will stand in the gap for this generation raise your hand right now to me for me all over I will stand in the if you've raised your hand I want you to come down here to be anointed just slip out of your seat just line up here in the front Line up here in the front. And let's just, this, we're going to anoint every one of these people to stand in the gap. We're going to anoint them to stand. We got some oil here? Yes. Hallelujah. Come on, stretch your hands out towards them. Let's just pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, raise up a generation. Raise, I want you to just bow your heads with me. I want you to know this man picks me up on the highway. He remembers me. He remembers me for three years. You see, he. what if he quit two years? He remembered me for three years over and over and over. God's going to bring to your mind and to your face and to your memory. God's going to bring people. And instead of disdaining them, instead of going disgust to them, you're going to pray and you're going to intercede. And God's going to break strongholds yes. in people's lives. So just right now, raise your hands and everybody pray in the spirit. Start praying in the spirit right now. Pray praying in the spirit. God, you're raising up a bunch of intercessors. I know it. You're raising up a whole generation of intercessors. You're raising up a generation of intercessors. You're raising up a generation of intercessors. You're raising up a generation. Come on, pray. I mean, let's get serious, folks. Let's really start praying right now. Just really start praying right now. Come on. Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out. 
Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour. Just pray in the spirit. 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 Pray, 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 pray. God, we pray, we pray, we pray, we cry, we cry, we cry. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God, pour out your spirit, God. Do it again in our day. 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 Do it again, God. Come on, folks, let's pray. Mark, I just feel like you need to lead a mighty anointed yeah, there's prayer. A, there's, another, there's another theme here. There's two real strong themes this morning that developed in the prayer meeting before the service. Dennis was praying very strongly about the need for the fire of the Lord. Bob used that word several times this morning. Uh, And the passion for evangelism. And uh, the Lord gave me a passage in the prayer meeting, and it really applies here. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your Holy Spirit, the name of your Holy Servant, Jesus. Boldness. Characteristic in everything Bob was talking about this morning was boldness. And, and it's not something we work up. We, we can't decide. If you have a, uh, if you're an introvert, you can't make yourself an extrovert. That's right. We come with our own temperament as God created us. So boldness is not something we manufacture. Boldness is something the Holy Spirit gives us. But we have to ask for it. We have to want it. And when he gives it, we have to be willing to be that evangelist that goes out and tells people about the Lord. Or invites them to church or says, can I pray for you? Whatever. It doesn't matter. We're bringing the kingdom of God to them in one way or another. But that boldness is something he gives, but we have to ask for it. Just like this prayer. Yes, that's right. Just like this prayer. Consider their threats and enable, enable God's empowerment. Enable your servants to speak your word, your word with great boldness. We have to ask for that. All right? And we have to mean it when we ask for that. But right now, if you sense that word is for you for an increased boldness would you please put your hand up in the air so we can pray for you for increased boldness bob would you go lay hands again on these guys yes yes lord we need boldness holy spirit boldness holy spirit boldness right now no more fear no more no more fear no more fearlessness no more fear boldness boldness fear to no speak more fear. your word with no boldness, more fear, Lord. No more fear no of man. More no more fear of man. No more fear of boldness, man. Lord. Boldness, Lord. Give it to him. Great boldness, 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 Lord. Boldness, Lord. Come on. Boldness, no Receive more fear it. Of man. No more fear Receive of man. it. Boldness, holy boldness, Receive holy boldness, it. Holy boldness, holy boldness, holy boldness. God, make us bold. Holy make holy us bold, boldness, Lord. Where we just don't care anymore. I don't care what people think. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. I don't care what people think. I'm just going to go for it. Boldness, Boldness, Lord. Come on, church. Boldness, Lord. We break strongholds in the name of Jesus. We declare might. We declare your power. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Break every stroll. Do it again. Shine through the shadows. Do it again. Do it again, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, do it again, mighty God. 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 Do it again, Lord. Hallelujah. Do it again. 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 Do it again, God. Do it again. Do it again, God. Hallelujah. We believe, God. 
Hallelujah. Breakthrough right here, God. Breakthrough, God. A fresh vision, a fresh anointing. Someone has a prophetic you, word Jesus. that we need to uphold those who are sick. One of the words there was stretch out your hand and do mighty miracles and healings. So we need to bring uh, before you um, Hope, Shelly, Dennis, Maru, Chuck, Ashley, of course, Leah, Linda, Tinnitus. Good Lord. This, this has to stop. Okay, look, let's start praying for miraculous signs and wonders, particularly healing for the people that we just mentioned. And uh, I know if you're, if you're new here today and uh, you're not going to get this, but one of the things we do which is an aid of prayer, when we don't know how best to pray, when we're not sure how to put it into words, our heart has a prayer, but our mind hasn't figured it out yet, and we want to pray with confidence, but we don't know how. One of the ways we can pray, and it's in the Bible, is pray in the Spirit, pray in tongues. So as much as that might not normally be something we do, for intercession like this, let's do it. So all of you that have the gift of tongues, let's just pray out. Let's just pray out in tongues for every one of those people we just mentioned. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Stretch out your hand, Lord. Stretch out your hand to do mighty healing signs and wonders for those people that we love. We come against cancer in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, destroy cancer in the mighty name and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bring it, Lord. Tinnitus, Lord, be gone. Vertigo, be gone. This infection in Maru, Lord. This infection of her blood, kill it in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Destroy it and set her free, Lord. Thank you. Hope. Dennis. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Lord, we pray for our nation. We pray for our country. You did it once. You can do it again. You did it once. You can do it again. Fall on this country. Fall on this country, Holy Spirit. Move amongst the young people. Do it again, Lord. The characteristics will be different, but the effect will be the same. Lord, we pray for tens of millions of young people to be swept into the kingdom of God and turn this mess around, Lord. Yes, Lord. Praise you, Yes, Lord. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart. Over every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within your presence Jesus, I speak Jesus I just want to speak it I just want to speak the name of Jesus 